of a war we ain't asked Transgression for. a progression of a war we ain't asked for. This madness, yo. All the things that we could talk about. Call it. Well, let's talk about these urban circumstances real quick. And basically, it's the... And, um... We got this. So... Revolution. Muhammad is the fame's name. Forever stand. Standing on royal, fusing of justice for the few, ridiculed by the pale terrorists, bent on genocidal obsession, rooted in fear of neglection and abandonment, fueled by nightmares of ancestors. Truth, because at the end of the day, I still want to be able to, to, I don't dislike George Washington. I don't think I think our friends should be like my friends. My friends are the kind of friends I think everyone needs. My friends see the things at times I don't see. My friends hate the police. child trying to see you, you gonna look, you gonna pick up that book, Lord keep me far from the space, guide me through night and day, teach me your way, show me the righteous way to sway, Lord can you teach me please, show me the way, I'd say. Grand Risings, Grand Risings, and welcome back to another episode of the Urban Conservatives. Uh, today, 
I have with me again a special guest, um, co-host uh, Robert, uh, and we're gonna get into a lot that happened over the weekend. Um, and I I want to get into because we're you know we're still talking about Minneapolis. Um, so there was an event that happened over the weekend where it was an art festival and one of the art was displays sleds was a a copy of uh the burning third precinct um and it kind of bothered me his statement for the simple fact of that this yeah let me just get into it because this just really bugged me and i'm going to get into it why it bugged me so many of you have seen the video posted online tonight showing a crowd of white people including children cheering as a sled fashioned as a burning third precinct station house is led down a hill i am outraged and frustrated by this disgusting display but sadly i am not completely surprised by it over the past year i've been to several community meetings where i've seen people stand up and speak on behalf of marginalized communities implying those present who remain silent don't have the intellectual capacity to speak for themselves. I've never in my life experienced such levels of patronization and racial arrogance. While this group of people cheers over a police station burning, I can't help but think of the hundreds of violent crime victims in this city, most in lower income neighborhoods who have been hit by bullets or who have been killed in the chaos that resulted after the burning of the third precinct are the minority business owners who lost everything in the destruction of the city that followed. It is appalling that people would celebrate an event with children present that has left out, uh, who that has left our most vulnerable residents terrified, too scared to let their own children walk to the store, too afraid to have their own children, children's bed positioned near a bedroom window. I am confident the members of this particular group today have never experienced this type of day-to-day -day terror, nor the trauma that results. I'm also certain they don't value the work that you do every day, placing your lives on the line to protect our most vulnerable residents who continue to hear gunfire as regular background noise in the neighborhood, in the neighborhoods. Because this group doesn't have to live with those fears every day, make no mistake, the burning of the third precinct station house set off a signal of lawless that resulted in the highest levels of violence to our most vulnerable residents. But I am extremely grateful as everyone who lives and works in this city should be for the work that all of you do every day. Thank you, despite unprecedented, unprecedented challenges, you continue to aggressively fight violence back down so that all our residents can live safely. Saturday's event is disgusting and counterproductive to your work and our mission. The group's actions are incredibly ignorant, extremely unacceptable, and, do, and does not help the process of rebuilding our agency or healing our community. Thank you again for protecting with courage and serving with compassion. God bless you and your families for all the sacrifices you all make on behalf of the people of Minneapolis. Um. Hmm. I have an, an issue with that that statement um, for the simple fact that he 
doesn't to me understand what he is um talking about and i don't know why we continue he understands part of it it seems like though some of it but not really all of it because okay you know at at the end of the day you know let's be be honest because you know how i feel as somebody that resided in north minneapolis after you know george floyd happened which they wanted you know the third precinct went down is that north minneapolis was left unprotected they're not talking about that they're not talking about how they beefed up other areas and left north minneapolis high and dry you know what i'm saying and that's what he's not talking about he's still not talking about how officers are are called to you know incidents or situations and still act like assholes don't they don't act with all with compassion so it's like for me he leaves out a lot and i'm not saying that you know all officers are like that but you have a lot and don't nobody say nothing because at the end of the day they protect them there were key points in there that got me i didn't know that he i didn't get a chance to read the whole thing so hearing it the whole thing it makes a lot more sense on what he was saying about the gatekeepers and how they tend to speak for the community the fact that the minority businesses that didn't have the insurances and whatever else like some of the business or building owners because they were a lot of them were renters did and they lost their businesses and, and you go down the list on that i think that that is key and there's another piece to that that we can get into in a minute. I'm gonna let you land your your point and finish what you're saying first. But I have something to say on the back end of that that I think might make a little bit more sense to everybody once we get into this co Intel Pro and the CIA type stuff. Well, yeah, because it just it it bothers me because of the simple fact of like I I feel like when it comes to policing, we're not getting anywhere. You know, I feel like we're still in that that same rut. You know, they say crime is down, which is an exaggeration to a degree. Um, They say that, you know, crime has shifted. I'll agree with that to a degree Um, because crime did shift. Crime is down, but it's down in certain areas where it's up in other areas where it wasn't before, because all all they're doing is shifting the crime. They're not trying to really prevent it. They're shifting it. And that's what people don't understand. So like when you have, you know, let's say like Merwin's liquor store, which has been in the news lately, uh, with their liquor license and how a nonprofit violence interruption group now has a liquor license to sell liquor. And all for the simple fact of that they shifted crime out of that area. But see, the, the whole thing of it is it hasn't shifted, especially over Broadway and Limbear. And and that's the the whole crazy part of it. As long as it's not downtown, they don't care. They, as long as it's downtown, where downtown is where all the uh, suburbanites go, and that that they get the money for the events and that they'll keep that area clean, and that's that's their goal. They don't care about anywhere else. I mean, that's been proven. Other than the rich areas get to pay for extra patrols. I'll pull that up here in a minute. They paid for extra patrols, right? No, and 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 see, and that was the crazy part because you did have neighborhood associations that were. Uh, paying for private security for Minneapolis police because weren't they off duty doing that too 
when they were doing those extra patrols in certain areas, because I think it was Koski's, uh, Palmasano's areas that were getting extra protection that were paying because of their neighborhood associations. Keep going with what you were saying, and I'm going to pull that up real quick. Okay. Yeah, so, but it was, you know, literally of the fact that we have so much pain and trauma and while he's looking for something, I'm going to pull up something that when he was swore in as a Minneapolis police chief, I want you guys to see where this is at, because this this really tripped me out. So you see uh, Shiloh Temple. That's next. I don't want to get into what's next. Hold on. Yep, I don't want no Easter message. So let me go. So I'm going to mute it because I want to find a certain spot. But this is Silo Temple, and which is a black church in, in North Minneapolis. And I want you to see this name because Mike Forche, who is, I think he's the leader of uh, AIM. Uh, and this is the man that also was protesting at the Minneapolis City Council and Michael Rainville and Vita were able to get restraining orders. There goes Cedric Alexander, who also, I believe, took his oath. Now you see Bishop Howell, who is a board member of the Minneapolis Foundation, swearing in Chief O'Hara. Now this is the same church that you have police involved killings where our, our, our brothers and sisters have had their funerals, not only our community members, and yet we're embracing something where we've had no change. We've had no change. Now tell me, what are, what are we supposed to believe? And that's the biggest part for me is because this is a slap in the face and they continue to slap us in the face and it's all by people that look like us. That's that talk like us. And to me, that's a problem. Cedric had his like retirement that. ceremony there, is what it was. At that point, 823. Uh, eight, yeah, that's that's uh, give me one second, I'll pull that up. Jesus Lord. Damn, they it was, was really, um, he really, Bishop Howe really, really, really be on there. Is that where they had Edwards' funeral? You know, I always wonder that, where I didn't, to be honest, I, I knew nothing about Ron Edwards until 2021. Um, and the only reason why I knew it started finding out about Ron was doing research about Minneapolis um, and I was told he was a very good person and he left everything, not everything. I'm going to say everything that he left. Uh, but there was a lot of information about the past that he did leave out here for us uh, in blog articles, uh, podcast, him and Don Allen. So I, well, I not everybody that was involved with some of this stuff is bad because you got to realize that some of the some of the stuff that they were pulling. It, people had to sort of work with the system that was in existence too. And right. when you have people that have been selected by 
whoever to be community leaders and run everything, um, they can be easily influenced too. And then also people that are trying to do good have to work sometimes with them. Uh, if you want to share that tab that I have up right now, that's uh, a picture from Facebook of SETI's uh, retirement ceremony. And that's yeah, at Shiloh. I didn't even know they had it at Shiloh. That's crazy. The $350,000 man. Didn't even know he had. Damn, that's crazy. I didn't even know they did that there. Wow. And then uh, if we want to switch tabs there, we got the, yeah, the, the Lowry Hill residents are the ones that paid for the extra police patrols, and it was up to $210,000. There's a program that they call buyback, right? Right down here, it says the buyback program. Um, and that's where they can get extra patrols, but it's at a rate of $107 per hour. So they're getting paid that versus their regular rate to go out and patrol communities. Not only are they going to do the pullback for liability reasons, but if they can make more money going patrolling these other places, it makes sense because it makes dollars. Well, it was the same thing of, you know, one thing that I found out when O'Hara became um, police chief here in Minneapolis was that he didn't agree with a lot of things that the Minneapolis police were allowed to, to do because they literally were allowed to work overtime, but it would be doing security work. It would be doing um, downtown businesses, uh, you know, things where they'd be able to make more money all while wearing a Minneapolis police uniform. Part of that is that uh, for certain venues, they if you're over a certain amount of people, you have to pay the... Uh, the police to come in and you have to pay them to do security okay yeah. and that's what they were talking about with the private security with the cops and how they were forced to do that uh wasn't it uh that nightclub that they used to work at that came out about that and yeah. talked about the police protection racket that is very true that's what yeah. Mayor A.A. Ames set up in the 1900s. Okay, that's how long this crap's been going on. And part of what they were doing, Dreamco Intel Pro, okay, they had an operation called Hoodwinked. Okay, and they were trying to get the people to fight between the cops, not cops, the, uh, the mob, the gang in that and uh, the leftist organizations and so what they do is they yeah, get the get the kkk to try to fight the the commies and they were playing both sides they ran both sides okay and part of that was through uh like the anti-defamation league actually and the, uh the ajc the american jewish council they were also playing both sides on that too they were running they were literally having kkk meetings in the same houses that they were later on in the day having commie meetings at um so it gets real interesting on that. Um, but uh, they've literally been playing both sides for a long time. Now, during the Red Scare, they really got in bed with the uh, mob because the mob would keep the streets clean and keep the protesting down and stuff like that. They were ruthless, though, right? Because they wanted business to run because they wanted to make money. So 
that's the reason why the mob was against the commies is because in a in the communist system, you can't make take advantage of the free market like you can um, for illegal activity, right? Like you can in, in uh, a capitalist system because it's a lot easier to run your rackets in a capitalist system. But it it just gets interesting that they've been playing both sides for for that long. Well, yeah, right, and it has been a very long time. I was trying to look for some of that paperwork, but I know you had some. Uh, I'm going to pull up the Cointel Pro stuff real quick. I have a really good one that I want to share with you, um, and it's from the U here in Minnesota. Let's see if I can get this to share. One second. Present. Doing better than me? Yeah, this. Okay, here we go. It's going to be sharing. Hopefully. Hey, can you put that up? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to zoom in on it. So this right here is one of the COINTELPRO things that they did here at the U when they were targeting. So they targeted the African-American movements, the the uh, peace movements, and the communists. They lumped them all in together, though. There were some people that were just pro-peace and like, hey, we got to take care of America. There was uh, some some of the African movements that were just wanting equal rights and, and voting. Okay, they were trying to influence them more to the left, and they were trying to lump them in with the commies because the Red Scare and everything that was going on at the time. Okay, but this gentleman's name was Cannon. Okay, Lester Cannon. <clears throat> and he's one of the ones that they purposefully targeted to see if they could arrest. Uh, they tried to get him on, uh, I think, outdated tickets, or he had traffic tickets, stuff like that, that they tried to get him up, hung up on. But the FBI actually targeted him, okay? And it goes through, he actually did pay the tickets, but it goes through on here everything, okay? And then I have a few more. Give me one second here. I think it was number nine. We'll go to that one. Yep. So here they were, see the, the FBI was trying to get the commies to go after the, the uh, mobsters. The FBI bait not taken by reds or mob. Okay. And operate operation hoodwinked. The one I just talked about right here. Okay, it was one of 12 uh, FBI counterintelligence programs under J. Edward Hoover that was named, uh, known as COINTELPRO. Others were conducted against the Communist Party USA, which was headquarters out of St. Paul. Okay, uh, and such groups as the Weathermen, Black Panthers, Ku Klux Klan, and other civil rights organizations. So they were literally fomenting hate 
in some of the problems as they were fomenting the left. And the left, if people don't remember at that time, they had a tendency to be violent. The Weathermen Underground were bombing police stations, like literally bombing, okay? But they were behind some of the radicalization because it gave them an excuse to spy on Americans. So people wouldn't allow the government to spy on Americans unless it was a big reason. Even after this came out, there was a big outroar and they supposedly stopped. Obviously, they didn't because it's still going on. Same thing with like Iran-Contra. It's still going on and that's obvious. Um, but what they would do is they would infiltrate especially the colleges. Okay? And like the National Students Association was funded by the CIA. One of their, the big people that talks about it is Gloria Steinem, who also was big into the feminist movement. She wrote for the, the feminist Jewish magazine called Lilith. Okay. Other feminists had called, called her out and said, hey, we weren't trying to have a war on men. We just wanted equal rights, and this has gone too far. But that's what the CIA does, okay? It'll take something that's very valid. And they'll move it so far to one side, it just seems crazy rather than that actual issue being talked about and solved. So the issues are good, but they take it and they manipulate it into something that is not. Does that make sense? No, that does. I hope it makes sense to other people. Did you have anything else on that that you wanted to talk about? No, that was that was pretty much it because I mean, like literally everything that we've brought up, even just talked about today, is gonna continue uh even just going on the conversation with even talking about uh what we're about to get into. Um I have something talking? else on that then. Um, and that is uh keep your mind open, and I'm not gonna make conclusions when I say this, but in 2020, in January, there was, I think, $900,000 of counterfeit $1 bills that were caught up at the Minnesota-Canada border. Right. And then the Sabri family, uh, they own, between the, the, all of them, they own that entire area where George Floyd was killed. Okay. They right. had been in lawsuits against the city and failed for building permits in that area. They were losing money. They were, they were, some of them were in really dire straits with money. I'm not going to lie, um, especially over in the North Loop. Then you have George Floyd that happened. And all of a sudden, their permits not only get approved, the governor's meeting with them at Carmel Mall and promising them millions and millions of dollars for rebuilding and this and that and the COVID money. Well, there's allegations. Uh, and when the Republicans say that, uh, Ilhan Omar is uh, connected to Hamas. Not really. It's the Sabri family. Uh, and allegedly, that's allegedly, okay. And allegedly, uh, their daughter, his daughter, uh, got caught doing some of it. Uh, all I'm saying is, if that is true, uh, and just positing maybe in some sort of reality, it could be true. Um, you had U.S. funding for Hamas to the tunes of millions of dollars unaccounted for that was just flowing into the group shortly before, I don't know, October 7th. So, and then that would mean though that, that if the CIA stuff up here is truly still going on, that means the CIA is probably involved 
And it probably started at the U of M, the Minnesota International Students Association, which also had the Pakistani International Students Association at that time. And that was when BCCI was huge. And so if they were sending money back home, they were sending it through BCCI, which was a CIA group. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's 100% accurate, but it's starting to make a little bit of sense. And if that's the case, was there something else behind George Floyd, especially with Chauvin being stabbed in prison? I'm not saying Chauvin's a good guy. I'm saying like this whole thing stinks because the shop, Cup Foods, the owner had actually been in trouble for counterfeiting uh, uh, NFL merchandise, fake, fake NFL merchandise, especially for uh, the Super Bowl, right? For, for business to have already been in trouble for counterfeiting to then like be trying to quote unquote crack down on other people counterfeiting seems kind of odd. And if Chauvin and Floyd both worked at the same place. If there was counterfeit money coming in, I don't know, like the border suggests, um, were they not both possibly paid in that counterfeit money? Some of that tax money that uh, Chauvin got sued for that he didn't pay, was some of that in counterfeit money? Did he actually know where it came from and was trying to cover it up? That would make a lot more sense in the overall scheme of things. I'm not guaranteeing that that's what happened, but there's a lot more to it. And especially with uh, Liz Collins and that coming out like on, on the right, they're playing the left versus right. And they're trying to start a race war is what they're trying to do. And they've been trying for a while, but I'll, I'm going to leave that there uh, and then let you go. And then we can get into the other stuff. No, I was just saying, you know, what, it's all public information too and that's the whole crazy part of it is because if people would just be able to have patience and be able to just see it for what it is and have an open mind instead of just thinking that it's a, a conspiracy theory or thinking that it's something other than what it really is and it, and it's that's the whole crazy part because it's like putting a puzzle together you just got to find the pieces that's that's literally all this is and there'd be and it's all out there but when he says that you know um as i don't think people really do remember that is there was you know that the nfl sued sabari um and i'm trying to find that right now i can pull it up on a different podcast i have it downloaded and i'd send it to you but I don't know where it's at. I know where the the stuff that we're going to be going into in a minute is because I have that already ready to go. But no, no, you're good. Yeah, just find that. I was just trying to. The, um, the biggest thing is people need to not trust the government and not be like, oh, they would never. I mean, if you think that it's in, within the realm of possibility because they already have, it's on documents that they have, and they've been doing it for quite a while to say that they would change after, I don't know. So 1940, at least, Operation Underworld, till what now? So 80, 83, right. 84 years. You're telling me in 84 years that they've changed when they keep on getting caught and then distractions happen in the media is what I'm going to say each time that they get caught. Um, have they ever changed if they're still failing their audits? I mean. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying. He's been in so many different, let me not get into it, but there's been yeah, a lot of lawsuits. A lot of lawsuits. And what's real interesting is actually Sabri was on the Lena Commission 
uh, which is for, uh, I think it's the wedge, right? The wedge areas. That's their little commission for that. Um, he sat on the, the law enforcement advisory thing around the time of the Jerry Hoff shooting. And so it just gets interesting. Like all these players, like Keith Ellison was a part of the Minnesota international students association as well. He got involved with Farrakhan and that, which, I mean, there's some things Farrakhan says that I don't agree with. There's some things that he says that I do agree with. Exactly. Um, you, you know, so I'm not going to say the guy is just out there, but he called he called out Keith Ellison for selling himself out to, quote unquote, uh, the Jews, which I'm not sure how accurate that would be. But except for when you look at him going to Israel with Andy Luger, that's like in starting the J Street pack. I'm not saying he was right. I'm just saying, like, if somebody's making claims like that, look into it. And if it's true, then it's true. If it's not, then it's not. But some of these crazy claims actually start to look into because there's people, it doesn't matter if they're Christian, if they're Muslim, if they're atheist, if you're rich and corrupt and are, are wielding power for money and, and all that jazz, if people are calling them out, look, look at it. Because there might be something there. Exactly. But people don't have that open mind. They don't have that open mind. Or to just even think of something different than what they're being told. And that's... <laughs> That's one of the the, the 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 sickest parts of this whole um, being a part of this movement because you you can't even take people for face value or <laughs> you got to do research in these especially if they've been around for so long and that's what this next part um, that Robert is about to bring up is a uh, talking about the funding you know. Um, we're going to start putting the pieces together about the funding, how that, that all works, how um, showing you the different things that they, they have done um, and the ways that they were able, maybe not so much the ways they were able to do it, um, but just showing the people in, involved. Okay, we're going to do, a, I'm going to show you how to do a search real quick. To find a lawyer ID number. Okay, so for any lawyer that's in Minnesota, you should be able to find them on here. Okay, so I'm gonna put in the last name of Champion. So we're gonna look up Bobby Joe. And you're gonna have to verify that you're not a robot. Good, if it, I'm not. Thought maybe I might be, I have a artificial hip, but they said that's, that's okay. That was a joke. <laughs> Uh, so here's his lawyer ID, and what I do is I copy that, and then I come over to uh, Minnesota Court Records Online. Okay, it's, if you Google M N C uh, M C R O, it should pop up. Case search. Uh, if you click under attorney, you can go to attorney bar number. Okay, and just paste it in there. If you want to restrict it by date, you can. I'm going to leave it open. And it's doing its search. 
Here we go. Okay, so I'm gonna scroll down because most of these people I really don't don't want to put their stuff out there and that. But there is a few down here that gets interesting. Is that Junior? <laughs> Got dismissed, so it's all good. We're not even going to say anything on that. This one right here, though. Okay. So there's two of them. Superior Financing versus Salem Inc. So Jerry McAfee's his client. Okay. We're going to go down to this one, though. Henry Grant Lending. Because Henry Grant is a real interesting character if you look him up. It gets real funny. So McAfee... And Salem Inc. is Bobby Joe Champion, right? Remember from the other day, their CEO is, according to the documents from Minneapolis Public Schools, Marlon uh, Ace Boogie Moore, who uh, had shredded business documents, dream the fraud that he was doing, right? And they have Chasma Dixon for their billing department, who uh, is a tax fraudster, right? So. Henry Grant Lending. Let's see who this Henry Grant is. Okay. This is Henry Grant. Let's see if I can get it pulled up. Pull. Oh. Okay. So here's a guy that was running a foreclosure scam. What he would do is when people's houses were getting close to foreclosure, he would come in. Oh, we can help you out with the reverse mortgage, all this other stuff. And then he takes the crap. Okay. So Attorney General Mike Hatch joined consumer advocates to celebrate a court decision that shut down uh, the company uh, that was doing that. And uh, the Ramsey County District Court Judge John Finley issued a restraining order. Okay. Now, after this, the, the full decision was that he could never lend in Minnesota again. He could not have a mortgage lending license. Okay. So he is barred from the state for from doing mortgages. Yet, he's lending for Jerry McAfee or McAfee. And he's been lending for McAfee for a very long time. How can you have somebody without a mortgage lending license lending in the state? There's laws about that, okay? Um, here is the real estate license. Again, the Minnesota mm -hmm. Court of Appeals. Here's the uh, decision right there, okay? 2005. They're unable to, to lend. And the facts of the case are down there. Practice of equity stripping. So. Was why that a having... lifetime? Yeah. Was that, a yeah. Life... was that a lifetime? Because, okay, so when you go to open corporate, which is an open database, and you put in Henry Grant Lending, the latest events was they became inactive. Um just last year yeah so here's the thing is that they couldn't lend directly they may have been a secondary mortgage holder and been able to do it that way 
because then you're just you're uh, leveraging already existing mortgages. I have no clue how he was doing it. All I know is a guy's a fraudster because he got shut down by the state for doing fraud and wasn't supposed to be able to lend again in the state. They're supposed right. to have mortgage origination numbers, a license number. And some of them, it looks like were being done directly to them. But you got to remember, Minnesota doesn't look up crap, right? I mean, they don't require attorneys to have a bar license in Minnesota or to be accepted to the bar in Minnesota to practice. Uh, we've already shown the, the stuff about the uh, inspections, the home inspections. So they're, they're getting unlicensed contractors to work on mobile homes and apartments. And you go to, they, they really don't care in Minnesota. Okay. If you're, if you're rich, you have a lawyer, they'll care about your rights. If you're poor, it's the middle finger and you get the shaft. All right. It's nothing new. I mean, it, <laughs> I, mean I, I wish it was. If folks didn't know that this has been happening, then yeah, it's it, it's been happening. <laughs> hmm. Okay, I'm going to share. Oh, wait, sorry. I'm going to go to a different one. Uh, so you, you'd asked about uh, stuff with, with uh, Shiloh Temple and that, and uh, this is before actually, uh, O'Hare got on, right? Minnesota Heels 2.0. Minnesota Heels, the first one, one of the main people involved with that was a lady by the name of Ellen Luger Goldberg, Andy Luger's wife. Okay. And right here, she was a part of it. Pat Hoven was a part of it. Okay. The General Mills and the Honeywell Foundation were the original ones. So Ellen Luger came back to, to help out. Now, both General Mills and Honeywell Foundation are very heavily in bed with the CIA. Honeywell was their electronics and weapon systems. General Mills actually had a machining part of it, which gets real interesting if you look into their product uh, production on that side and how bad they've been with the CIA. And then their grains as well, right? Because they were a big miller. Um, but here's the, the, the team and they set up everything that they're doing right now for the crackdown, including the, the federal, uh, enhancements for those and taking them out of the power of the county attorney. This was before Mary got elected shortly before because Freeman was still in office. You go down here to who was involved and I'm going to zoom in so you can see it better. Okay. Andrew Luger. Their first meeting was in January. This this letter supposedly is from uh, January of 2022. Okay. Andy Luger did not get appointed till March. There, uh, the county refuses to provide me emails prior to March on whether or not he was in communication as U.S. attorney prior to his confirmation. Because I couldn't. I couldn't claim to be president prior to getting confirmed as president, right? So you're not supposed to do that with government offices, you know? And on here, though, you have a couple other people. Hmm. Okay. Mayor Fry, Commissioner Jeff Lund. He's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, right. McAfee, right? All right, here's Sorry, McAfee. Vita. Lena Palmeso, Lisa Goodman, Kramer, 
Yep. Now, Kramer runs the downtown improvement district. Improvement district. Okay. But you also have Shiloh Temple, Bishop Harding Smith. Right. Okay. <laughs> Councilman Brainville. And this was months before the election that they were setting this up. So it makes you wonder. I mean, if these guys are doing the violence interrupting, the city's the one giving them contracts for the violence interrupting. According to other reverends that we've talked to, this wasn't an open invitation where they asked everybody to apply to do this. They hand-selected who they wanted. There are certain people they did not invite. Exactly. Remember, though, Mike Freeman, big white boys won't rule the world anymore. That females have the judgment of a toad, and the only reason why they let the white women in was to warm their feet at night, according to Amy Sweezy's complaint. <laughs> so, I'm wondering what they did here, <laughs> you know? And also, Andy Luger had done the contract for Jones Day with the city. How can he be working for this city that is his, his former client if he is the U.S. attorney? Isn't that a conflict of interest? Being that none of those lawyers were licensed, or maybe three of them, you know? Right. It just, what's going on in Minnesota? And how, how much of the stuff that Mary's dealing with is because they were pulling, pulling that type of crap? You, you know, know, I, I want to I show something real quick, and it's the Minneapolis Foundation um, key employees and officers. Because some of the names we just talked about were just on here. So you got R.T. Ryback, former mayor, compensation. They make almost a, half a million dollars. Goddamn. But that's not what I wanted to show y'all. Um, but if you look at these board, these directors, you see some names. Tim Baylor, who is a real estate developer, who does a lot of business with the city of Minneapolis. Uh, but also, who else do you see? Bishop Richard Howe. Hmm. Ain't that some shit? Off of a company that has over a billion dollars in assets. A billion dollars. Revenue, 200 million. Well, that's 2021. I apologize. Harding Smith was not Shiloh Temple. I was wrong on that. He was a guy that was accused of wage theft uh -huh. with the violence interrupters out of Brooklyn Park. Is he the one that was also uh... the men in black? Is he the one that was also in, in trouble for the, uh... yeah, I think so. One second here. But okay. that's what I just want. This is a who is Mad Dad? That was BJ Smith, right? That was BJ. Yeah. Okay. So those are those are different people. Let me see. 
But you realize that uh, for McGeefy's uh, educational initiative, that guy went to, uh, I believe he went to he went to college at the U of M, right? But uh, his wife works at St. Olaf. They live in Northfield. St. Olaf, Carleton College, and Northfield in general are heavy, heavy, heavy into the CIA. Uh, okay. and I found it. And that goes back to uh, a long time, like the 50s. Keith Gray, uh, a whole bunch of the people involved with BCCI, William Colby, uh, the old CIA director. Um, and they always have meetings out there for the CIA. Uh, and you can go down the list on that. So if you look on the screen, you'll see that Bishop Harding Smith on their investigation for possible wage theft. And this was this June of last year. Brooklyn Park Police confirmed an investigation into Bishop Harding Smith, a prominent voice against violence in the community. He's a pastor in Robbinsdale and a president for the I'm not trying to turn that video. Hold down. Wow, that's not even that phone, really. Whoops. Not one that I wanted to play. That was uh oh buggity boo boo. Uh Bishop Howe. That's not what I, I wanted to put the Bishop Harding Smith under investigation for possible wage theft. Um, I don't even know what's even came out of that, but uh, Jermaine Gare, who says he worked for Axe now for about two years, says his trust in Smith is broken. Garrett alleges for several months he worked 40 hours a week, but got paid for only 30. All the volunteer hours that we had to do, Smith made basically made us do it if we didn't do it we was fired and the discussion basically uh garrett Scherter's concerns with the brooklyn park city council but other former employees are afraid to go public damn see that's how i would be though and that's what's crazy because when you do go public are, are you you know what i'm saying put it out there you're looked at differently they see you as part of the problem instead of being part of the solution and i I will never understand that because how are we supposed to get rid of the evil in our communities when people that, as they want to call them whistleblowers, are seen as negative? And, and I don't understand that because how do we want people to, to, they see something, to say something, to do something, but then they're labeled and demonized for doing that? That is part of the issue that helped I mean, them get out of Huntington Place, actually. Uh, the, the group that was taking over for everything for Huntington Place is a group called the Village BP. I'm not sure what they're doing these days. I know that they were doing, I believe they still are up and running. I, I got told that they yeah. didn't need my help because I had originally helped them confront the city on the codes. I actually went up there in my uniform to their city council. There's a video of me yelling at the city council wow. about everybody deserves equal rights in that and giving them the, the state laws on it. Um, but uh, the person that got that contract is Dakota Cox. Yeah, she's a, the head lady for the Village BP. Awesome, awesome yeah. job. Using best practices, getting the community 
in partnership with the police, reducing violence. Huntington Place was one of the worst places in Minnesota. The violence has gone down, and now they're able to do more of the livability-type crimes because they were having problems with a whole bunch of homeless people doing drugs and having sex and pooping in their hallways. <laughs> and right. nobody had cared about it. So finally, they're getting that taken care of and stuff like the black mold and whatever else. So there is good things that can come out of it. There are good organizations out there. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And I wanted to, uh, Ben left a comment and said, this is a new level of Contel Pro here in Minnesota. This also proves that these are the real confidential informants, AKA hip hop police right here. You know what's crazy is? I've been hooked onto that for a while about our community leaders being conf being CIs. Um, because I'll tell you right now that when you look at a lot of the biggest cases in North Minneapolis, uh, just many are not even just North Minneapolis, but Minneapolis period, you always see the same names or the same organizations that are involved. And then you wonder when the tip, when the, the reward, the reward is paid, who do they pay that reward to? Because there's literally been people that have been wrongfully convicted off of these bogus tips. And then it always leads back to some of the same names. And on that, I, I started looking into uh, that because the allegations by uh, of Sergeant Keefe. See, Sergeant Keefe was involved in the Marvin Haynes case. He actually testified at trial uh, yep. and, and at, at his recent hearing. Okay, so I'm not going to say anything bad about the guy. However, uh, when he was a lieutenant, he got put in charge of the violent offenders task force and they were they were reviewing allegations that the cops were on the payroll of the gang which gang the vice lords who Lord. taylor trump okay one of the informants was uh baby she mama or something like that and people up there have actually known who that is okay like they remember that name um and right. it's funny because uh what happened well, i shouldn't say funny you sad uh, what happened was, is uh, Keith did not believe that one of his old bosses was one of the ones implicated. And so he, he sort of grilled the guy and his interrogation method sort of ruined the uh, investigation. So he got demoted and kicked off the task force. Um, but subsequent news articles, if you look at the newspapers.com, it's in the Star Trib. Lieutenant Edwards was one of the ones implicated while well, he was sort of at Shil uh, not Shiloh Temple. He was at uh, New New uh, New Salem Missionary Baptist Church. That's McAfee's. And he was receiving a gun as evidence there at the church. Right. Now, McAfee at the George Floyd funeral was calling out the vice lords from the north side and the bloods from the south side. Well, given his involvement and you can go back to 1990 his involvement with the gangs and some of that i understand if you're trying to make change but if in 30 years 34 now because 1990 right some of it was in 88 when they were protesting against the police brutality i mean some of that needed to be protested against so i'm not saying it didn't start off good but if in 30 years nothing's changed and you're doing the same thing and it's the same people you got to start looking is it cointel pro <laughs> And, and they don't, and that's the whole crazy part for me is how, you know, 
we have so much that goes on in Minneapolis, right? We have a city of over 450,000. We see the same old crimes get blamed on the same old crews and, 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 and gangs, right? And then when you literally look into these cases, you look into the chaos that surrounds it, and you see the same fucking names, man. You see that you see the the lawyers, and I'm and I'm not talking about right now. I'm talking about going back into time. You know, Keith Ellison, or you will see a, a, a Lisa Clemens. I just showed them how to look up lawyers' uh, numbers. Look up Keith Ellison's lawyer number. Look up who he right. used to represent. Same thing with Bobby Joe Champion. Okay, right. and the allegations was that they were paying the cops for information on cases where then they can be informants to get their guys lesser sentences or get off of for plea deals while framing somebody else. That was the allegation at that time. That sounds like COINTEL, bro. And, and what's crazy is you can't find articles. You can't find things that are written about this if people look for it, but people don't want to look for it. They're either lazy, they either don't care, or they just don't honestly don't give a fuck. And that's part of the problem, because if you look and you can put these pieces to the puzzle, I'm telling you, even when it comes to feeding our future, it comes to the drugs, it comes to the guns, it comes to the violence, it's all usually the same names. Same people. In just a second here, I'm going to pull up a, an article and then we can get into it a little bit. Um, part of that is the population scare that happened in the 70s right after the 68 riots. Okay, Everybody was moving out to the suburbs except for um, the poor blacks who couldn't and the poor whites who couldn't basically uh, and it gets real interesting on that because ever since then they've flooded in people from other countries and had that big focus for Minnesota. And the problem with that is uh, there's one group that's never, never had their chance out of that. Um, but it does play right into the COINTELPRO and how they've kept it going. Because they bring these people, oh, Google Minnesota, BLM violence, Boogaloo boys. Are you talking about when, during when they came in the, the George Floyd Square? I don't know much about the, the Boogaloo yeah, the, boys. Yeah, the Boogaloo boys, I, under, I understand what he's saying. So what they do for COINTELPRO, okay, is they'll go into uh, movements where there's uh, protests going on and they'll turn them violent. Uh, some of the old COINTELPRO documents that I have show that in the seventies and they were like, right. Hey, there, there was maybe three, 400 students, but then they came to the protest. There was thousands. And then there was people that were inside there that caused the violence. Cause in a mob mentality, once you get the first person to do it, then everybody else starts doing it. And they know that they know how to play people. You are 100% right. Those were, they call them agent provocateurs. Okay. If you look up the term agent provocateur, that's what they do. Right. Those were agent provocateurs to get people to burn down their own community because it would, they wouldn't do that normally. Um, 
You know, I'm going to answer you, Ben. Um, some people don't want to think. People want to be misled. What are your opinion on KG Wilson as a leader? Um, you know, and, and I don't want people to take this the wrong way because I, KG is somebody that changed my life. You know, um, you know, I know people, I've told my story plenty of times. Uh, I met KG, um, when I was in recovery at the beacon in downtown Minneapolis. Um, and there was one of the things that he said, uh, not to me, but everybody, um, was that trying was lying. And I, that's always just stuck with me. So I always try to stay away from saying that I'm trying because that's lying. You know, if you're trying something, you're kind of actually not pulling a, a, a full effort into to doing it. So I've always just, when I'm doing something to, to just do it and not say that I'm trying. And it's, to me, he really changed a lot, but not to be as today, um, I don't know. I've heard a lot of things. I've seen a lot of things. Um, damn, I just, I, to be as a leader, I, I don't see him as a leader. Um, that's just my opinion. Uh, that's my perspective. Um, I feel like he's more of a, a clog in the, in the system um, than an actual help in the system. I think he kind of, keeps the the bullshit going because one minute he for police and the next minute he against police so i don't know when there is a but balance we we do need both sides we do need police to some extent because we aren't able to self-regulate ourselves to where we have no crime if we were ex communities were able to self-regulate ourselves where we wouldn't need police we wouldn't need police uh right. and so there is a balance there because humans will inevitably two to three percent of them do bad no matter of what race creed whatever else it's usually right. not the majority it's usually the outliers but then that's what the media focuses on too true 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 but you mean you you, you may be 100 percent right on that i was just throwing out there we need to also balance with <laughs> No, and I and I and I I agree there needs to be a balance. But if we're not calling out the you know when they do wrong and but lifting them up when they do one thing that's right, but they're still doing things that are wrong, th that doesn't make any sense to me because you got to call them out when they're doing wrong if you're going to uplift them when they're doing right. Oh, 100%. I was just throwing in there as a as a reminder for everybody that sometimes people get too pro or against cops right. and like there's a balance they need to be constitutional not spying on us and actually doing their job to serve and protect not spy and pi pri be private pirates like civil asset forfeiture is, is private pirateering for the city right. okay uh, let's get that out there you know what i mean um and but you are right as far as people playing both sides and i just want to be careful that we don't lump everybody into COINTELPRO. If they're, oh, if they're not 100 do you know what i mean no and and here's the thing if it is like i said i'm my opinion is it, it may be differently about people it doesn't say that you know they're a part of it but to say that they at least know about it 
because I'm going to tell you right now, as somebody that is undereducated, um, but just really self-taught, and, and I got that from prison because it made me want to read. It made me want to research. It made me want to do better because um, all you have in there is time. But I'm going to let you go on to what you were about to, the article you were about to show from the 70s. Yeah, so in here, uh, it talks about the suburban migration. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Sorry. Oh. I didn't mean to hit the advance button. But yeah, they were short of poverty aid, too. So out of all the big cities, Minnesota did get shorted back in the 70s. But let's see if I can get it to zoom in i'm sorry i'm not the best with technology here um shit who is nowadays this this shit smarter than us supposedly anyway uh so what it says in here is that oh whoa too much zoom <laughs> okay so they'll Minneapolis will find themselves a, a minority members of the Hennepin County delegation because they lost citizens. Okay. And they also lost congressional legislative representation. Okay. Because of the out migration. Now, the out migration also hurt the rural areas. So it hurt rural areas and the major cities. Okay. That's when they had the big suburbanization. This was at the time that uh, Met Council was like subsidizing the uh, no poo in the water, rural, suburban uh, water and sewer, right? Um, and it gets interesting because those cities, when they expand so fast, those suburban cities, they can never tax enough to be able to cover their cost of replacing those things. They do not make sense on a monetary standpoint. They always have to be increasing either in tax value or in area. If either one of those goes down, they will eventually collapse, especially because they bond too much. And what bonds, municipal bonds are, is they're taxing future, they're basically promising future taxes. They're going to say, hey, we're going to tax these people to get your money back. Well, if you don't have enough population or tax base, then you're going to have to tax more. People are going to leave. That type of thing. Anyway, uh, this was right as the same time they started having all the articles about the Hmong and needing to house the Hmong. Okay, but the rural areas were the same thing. Okay, and people were buying up the farms and consolidating the farms. The small farmers were getting pushed out. So they've done the same thing to both sides. Okay, the rural people out in the country and also uh the people in the city okay a lot of times those are the two areas that don't really get services well the sub suburbs do and they're the ones who end up basically subsidizing it now the farmer subsidies have been around for a long time too that was after world war ii with the overproduction they wanted to guarantee the farmers a certain pay rate so that we could they compete with the people in the cities to help prevent them moving from to the city just like this article saying that they did. Um, and they started subsidizing the farms. Each year, the, the farms are subsidized. They control the, the price caps on milk. 
if people don't know uh, the underground bunker that they store cheese at, I believe it's in Missouri. If you look up underground bunker cheese, it'll come up. The U.S. has like tons and tons of cheese just stored because we bought it from the farmers to keep it more expensive. Okay, we haven't let the two market work on that and grain. Same thing with the grain getting funneled overseas. We could have our people be able to eat for almost free, dude. But, you know, it, it's all you got to make money off it somewhere. <laughs> but they've been playing that game on both sides as far as uh, the population game. Right. And what they do, though, is they tell the people in the rural areas, it's the black folk from the inner city that are the problem. And what do they tell you in the inner city? It's those rural right white racists that are the problem. No, it's the uh, wannabe liberal lefties that are rich that are probably sitting in, I don't know, Edina, Minnetonka, Eden Prairie. Yeah, they're probably the ones that are the problem. Ah, I did look that up. I never knew that. One point billion pounds of cheese. Yeah, man, I, yeah, that's what I said. Like, quite literally, like, it, it sounds all crazy till you look it up, and then you're like, "What?" Um, I'm gonna have to go at, at like twenty after because I'm gonna have to shower yeah. before class. Okay. No good. So no, we just wanted to. Damn, that's crazy. I never knew that. The things you learn. Hmm. Wow. I just, People could uh, eat for free, and that's also the reason. So the, the reason why then the dietary stuff that they push cheese so much is because of that. Like you don't need to be eating as much cheese. Like our entire food pyramid system is a scam that they did to promote. Like eggs and bacon for breakfast was to promote the pork lobby. Quite literally, it's lobbyists that come up with these things. They get on things like the USDA. And so it's lobbyists that are deciding for the corporations what they need to do. It's not in the best interest of the people. Our government's never been in the best interest of our people. And that goes back to Shay's Rebellion. Wow. You know, you know, I don't I don't doubt that because I'm going to tell you why I, I, the way that you see things that are directed at us on TV, radio, you know, commercials, ads, um, even the same, like the, when you're hungry, you know, or you got a craving for something, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, I feel the things that I've learned is the preservatives, the, the things that they add make us want the shit more. And I just, I can't believe that. It's crazy as hell. And then we wonder why we have so many uh, overweight people or unhealthy. It's because of the shit they feed us. Well, they're that the same people that are, are making up the medical standards and making money off the medical standards. So uh, I'm going to bring it back to history for a second. Uh, I'll yep. probably have like three or four minutes and I'll be done. Yep. Um, right. So people need to look up Isaac DePinto. Okay. He's the guy that made... Uh, the municipal bond system, basically, or where debts attached to a state versus the monarchs. So instead of an individual, it attaches to the state. Otherwise, we wouldn't have state debt. Okay. Then you move. That was right before the, the Revolutionary War. Then you move to Shays Rebellion, which is right after the Revolutionary War. What they did is they took Revolutionary War vets land uh, because they weren't farming it. And they were also forcing monetary policy. Before that, they had a barter system because gold and silver were a rarity. And they were trying to enforce a gold and silver system because they could tax that. 
You can't tax barter. If you're changing somebody a chicken for a loaf of bread, you can't tax that. What am I, what are you going to do? I get a chicken wing, <laughs> you know, and uh, the states have promised future taxes, the royalties to investors, and they needed to collect taxes. She's rebellion was to stand up against that. And under the Articles of Confederation, and I'm not saying the South Confederation, before the Constitution, the 13 colonies were confederated, they had to have 100% approval rate among the states. Okay, no one state had any other power. The Constitutional Convention was illegal, number one. Number two, they were all titled by, they had Esquire, they had that after their name. They were all titled by England. They were entitled landowners. They made a forced monetary policy, the ability to have a, a uh, militia to be able to collect those taxes. And then also, uh, landowners are the only ones, or property owners were the only ones that could vote. Whites without property could not vote until 1850. Okay. Um, there was a joke about it. If you owned a donkey, you could vote. Okay. So the government has been against the regular people for a very long time. The reason why we have the electoral college is they were afraid that the people would have too much of a say and they weren't smart enough. Move that up to Eddie Bernays. Eddie Bernays um, and uh, Ivy Lee were the two propagandists. They got their start after the Ludlow massacre, mainly, um, which is where the Rockefellers paid off the National Guard to go kill miners that were striking because they were having crappy work conditions and being paid with vouchers to the company store and never able to save any money to get out of it is basically indentured servitude uh and they paid they paid off the national guard the rockefellers did to go kill them with gatling guns men women children <laughs> uh that were unarmed uh that didn't look good and so that's where they started propaganda and pr public relations is to spin the story in a way that people will believe it in a way that they will go against their best interest and they have to convince people to go against their best interest because the government said so or this person said so. That's where you got the freedom torches, cigarettes from. That's where you got the what should be for breakfast from. All the PR firms is to lie to you to get you to do stuff you wouldn't normally do because it's bad for you. And that's crazy. So I want to thank Robert for coming on today and, and educating um, and sharing his knowledge and, and showing us the, you know, some ins and outs of, of different things and showing how people how to look up uh, attorney IDs, looking up uh, court information. Thank you so much as well. The Minnesota court record uh, link is in here. It's on all platforms. It's on there. It's the public access courts, stateminnesota.us. Um, so if you're interested, do your research, look up some things because it is public information. Um, and with that being said, we'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. Derby conservative. I hope everybody has a, a great Monday. Enjoy your start of the week. Um, and started off right so with that being said win or fail freedom or jail heaven or hell wish us well they want to give us global citizen global resistance freedom and justice liberty for all
Conservatives.